This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Cool Cullen, Deirdre of the Sorrows, Grow New Whale. From giants right down to fairies, of both the trooping and solitary, and those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore and mythology, retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, the culture and the history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olahan. I'm your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 176 of Fireside. Today on the Irish Storytelling Podcast, we have the fourth and final episode in our saga of the Battle of Ventry. This is Ventry Part 4, The Armour of Hephaestus. But before we get down to that, very big welcome to any new and returning listeners. If this is your first episode, why don't you at least listen to the very first episode of Ventry um, in episode 170 just a few episodes ago and if you like that head back to the very beginning why don't you in episode one three and a half close closing in on four years now ago see we've been building over the course of the history of fireside and if you are a returning listener as always thank you so much for your continued support if you have not done so already all the usual ways you can support the podcast you can tell a friend you can follow me over on instagram at fireside bard you can email me at the fireside bard at gmail.com those are the places to get in touch with me if you have any queries business personal or if you just want to say hello other ways, of course, you can buy my poetry book, Garden Sea, in paperback from the Headstuff website or in Kindle form from Amazon. All of the links are in the description below. And thank you so much to everyone who continues to buy them every week. Uh, it's a great, great joy sending them all around the world. And finally, if you really want to support the podcast directly, you can do so by joining Headstuff Plus, where for as little as five euro a month, although you can pay more if you want, you can gain access to bonus material, not just for Fireside, but for all of the podcasts on the Headstuff Podcast Network. And more of them there are each and every month. It's wonderful to be back again this week, folks. It's been a couple of weeks since I've recorded, but with all going ahead, uh, this there won't be any delay in this coming out. I was quite ahead of myself because for the last couple of weeks I've been away. As the listeners will know, I'm currently in Australia as I have been for the last few months. But we had these couple of weeks off um, where we were meant to be in New Zealand. However, New Zealand is still being quite strict on their uh, letting people in and out. So the, the New Zealand lag of the tour was postponed until November, so we're still not totally out of the woods with COVID regulations there. But thankfully, none of our tour dates so far have been affected directly by COVID here in Australia. <clears throat> so with the t- couple of weeks, we also added a couple more dates in the meantime in Tasmania. So I'm actually coming to you right now from Launceston in, uh, in northern Tasmania right down south of Australia. Uh, it's quite cold down here, I have to say. It's the middle of winter, um, and it, it feels quite like being back home in Ireland. 
But Tasmania is actually where we got as far as with this tour last year before it was cancelled, postponed, and we were sent home. So it's really, really lovely and very, very poetic to be back here in Tasmania once again. It's a great place. Uh, We're heading to Hobart, back to Hobart in a couple of days, and I'm really looking forward to Hobart. It's one of my favourite cities down here. Um, But in those couple of weeks, um, myself and my girlfriend went to Vietnam. Uh, We had an absolutely incredible time there. Uh, I was a bit cagey about where I was going the last time I recorded because I was really not sure whether or not we would get in for one reason or another. Um, Still very nerve-wracking flying and I didn't want to jinx it in any way. But thankfully we did and we had an absolutely incredible experience flew into Ho Chi Minh City and explored around there and up to Hanoi a couple of nights on Halong Bay into the rice fields of Sapa um, just a quick 11 days all around uh, would have loved an entire month there but this was the time that we had but rest assured we will be back uh, one of the most incredible places I've been uh, from uh, as a fan of a country's history and culture alone but the food as well is just it's probably quite cu- Uh, cuisine wise the best country I've been in I ate absolutely everything and anything that was put in front of me things I wouldn't have dreamed of eating uh, even a couple of years ago but in a place like that you just put your trust in that people's culture um, and it was just incredible if you haven't been there it is also one of the cheapest possible places you could go which considering how uh, expensive Australia is makes it uh, quite a bit of a plaster rip off to come back to Australia and get used to the uh, more expensive prices, especially on the drink. But that uh, that will just make uh, Ireland seem all the cheaper once I get back out there. And Ireland is definitely not a cheap country itself, so that's that's a silver line for that. But the story for this week, to get down to it, is our fourth and final part of the Battle of Ventry. This has been one of the more fun sagas to do. Returning to the very to the grassroots of Fireside, back to episode one, to the first character we ever looked at on this podcast, which was Fionn McCool, and to all of our characters in the Fenian cycle. Uh, this has been a long time coming and thing I've been waiting a long time to get ticked off, the Battle of Entry. And it's taken us to some really, really interesting places. And the name alone, I hope, will make you quite interested in this. And Fans of Greek mythology may notice the name Hephaestus, who is the blacksmith of the Olympian gods. So if you're unfamiliar with uh, the Battle of Entry before these episodes, you're probably wondering how does a Greek god end up fighting or end up involved in any way with a story from Celtic mythology? Well, that's all to be revealed. This is episode 176. This is Ventry 4, the armor of Hephaestus on Fireside. Ventry 4 The Armour of Hephaestus Fergus, the mellifluous poet of the Fianna, arrived at Tara at the fort of Cormac MacArt, the High King of Era. Fergus had arrived without the permission of his commander, Fionn Macool, to plead with the High King to send aid to the Fianna at the Battle of Ventry in their continuing fight against Daradun, the King of the World. I have no sympathy for Fionn Macool, said the short-sighted Cormac MacArt, who had always been jealous of Fionn Macool's heroic deeds. 
The Fianna were established to protect the position of the High King of Era, but Fionn Macool's legend had grown so much within his own lifetime, Fionn was now more famous than Cormac MacArt himself. The king grew increasingly paranoid that one day Fionn would take the crown for himself. Nothing could have interested Fionn less, and the idea that the Fenian warrior would usurp the throne he was sworn to protect was laughable to Fionn MacCool. Nevertheless, the petty Cormac MacArt was not going to miss an opportunity to see the downfall of Fionn, even if it put the lives of everyone in Era at risk in the process. The High King refused the request to send aid to the Battle of Ventry. But Fergus the Mellifluous was not thwarted yet. Next he went to the fields of Tara to find Lifakar, the son of the High King, playing a game of hurling. The poet of the Fianna adopted a different tactic with the prince. Prince of Era, it is a great shame to see you here in your hilarity while the coastlines of Era are on fire and the Fianna bleed and a foreign invader is at our shores. The prince was indeed goaded into putting down his hurley stick and raising his sword, and together with a host of three hundred, Lifakar marched south for Ventry Harbour. When he arrived, a challenge was made to Daradun, the king of the world, who sent forward an army led by the king of Cappadocia, a region in modern-day Turkey. Before Lifakar drew his sword, one of his own men whispered in his ear, Have courage today, my prince because rest assured, Fionn Macool would rather see you fall in battle this day. Do not forget, it was your great-grandfather, Khan of the Hundred Battles, who gave his blessing for Gull MacMorna to put to death Fionn's father, Cool. Your own father, the king, has also been no ally to Fionn. Today you have the chance to prove what kind you will be, my prince, what kind of king and what kind of ally you will be to the Fianna. This advice filled Lifakar with glorious purpose, and with his host of three hundred he took on the forces of the king of Cappadocia until the prince fought his way to the king and cut his head right off. Fionn Macool was delighted to see armed forces arrive from Tara. Word had finally spread of the Battle of Ventry, and allies were coming to aid the Fianna. So Fionn once again asked his men, Who will fight this next day? I will, said Quilcha MacRonan, the fastest runner of the Fianna, whose enemy for the day was the army led by the King of India. Quilcha's skill was in his speed, not his strength, and the runner danced around the King of India, hoping to tire him out. Quilcha waited to see if the King's sword and shield grew heavy in his hands. This is when the runner of the Fianna would take his shot. But the King of India was resilient and had been kept in reserve this long because of his great endurance. So no matter how much Quilcha dodged and ducked, the king remained as strong and quick as ever. Fortunately for Quilcha and for the Fianna, more allies arrived, and this time from across the sea in Wales. The Welsh joined the Fianna and put an end to the enemy army and cut the head from the king of India. There were now very few forces left from the armies of Daradun, and Fionn Macool sent a message to the king of the world. All of my loyal warriors have fought in battle, but I have not. So I challenge you, Daradun, 
not any of your followers or petty kings, but you yourself to single combat. The leader of the Fianna and the king of the world, and only one will emerge as the victor. The king of the world eagerly accepted Fionn's challenge. This was what he had come to Eris shores to do, to fight and defeat the world-famous Fionn Macool and conquer Era, the last corner of the world's map. But Daradun knew something that Fionn did not, and the leader of the Fianna was marching into a fight he could not win. Fortunately for Fionn, he had more allies than he thought, and this ally came in the form of the gods themselves, the Tua de Danann. Fionn's mother Moerna was a daughter of Taig of the Tua de Danann. Taig had not liked that his daughter had fallen in love with the mortal cool of the Fianna, so it had been Taig who had been conspiring with Khan of the Hundred Battles to bring about Kool's downfall. But by the time of her beloved's death, Muerna was already pregnant and went into hiding to conceal and protect the infant boy who would become Fionn Macool. Ever since rising to become the greatest warrior Era had ever seen, Taig had regretted more and more his part in Fionn's father's death. So the chieftain of the Tua de Danon was determined to aid Fionn in his hour of need. And it was Taig who knew exactly how to help. When word reached the Tua de Danon that Fionn would fight Daradun the following morning, Taig said to his wife, Fionn cannot win this fight. On the day Daradun was born, the great Hephaestus, the blacksmith of the gods of Olympus forged a shield and armor for the future king of the world. This armor is the only thing that is stronger than Daradun's natural hide, and it is only this armor that can be used to defeat the king himself. Without the shield and armor of Hephaestus, Theon Makul will fall to the king of the world. But Taig also knew where the armor was. It was not with Daradun himself, for the king of the world knew that the armor made him vulnerable, so the shield and armor of Hephaestus were with Daradun's father. So Taig transformed himself into a great golden eagle and flew from the other world of Tirnanog into the mortal world of man, across the Irish Sea to the European mainland and landed in Rome, the ancestral home of Daradun. Taig met with the king of the world's father, I'm not sure what title one would give the father of the monarch of the earth. Perhaps King Father, or King Consort, or something. After transforming back into his own form, Taig asked of Dada's father, I am a great warrior of the gods of the Toa de Danon, and I am in a great quarrel with a rival god. The only way I can defeat him is with the armor of Hephaestus, which was smithed the day your son was born. I believe the armor and shield to be in your possession, and I come before you to borrow them for my purpose, from one king to another. And how do I know, began Daradon's father, that you will not attempt to use this armor against my own son? If you know of the armor's history, you must know the full extent of its power. Ah, you have me all wrong, said Tyg. I have just travelled from Era, and word has reached Tirnanog that Daradun has defeated Fionn Macool, the greatest warrior Era has ever known. 
Your son is finally well and truly the king of the entire world. No armor I could use could defeat one who has already defeated Fionn Makul. The con worked, and the armor was handed over to Taig of the Tuadedanan, who turned back into an eagle and within two days had returned to Era and arrived at the strand of Ventry before dawn. The battle had at this point lasted a year and a day. This would be the final day of battle. Fionn Makul, said Taig, arriving at the tent of the Fenian leader, who was his own grandson. Today you dare to fight the king of the world. How do you intend to kill him when he is invulnerable? Fionn said, If my sword cannot cut him, I will seize the king in both my arms and squeeze him until all the bones in his body are broken. Then Tai gave Fionn the armor and shield of Hephaestus, and Fionn made peace with the grandfather who had brought about the death of his father. The final day of battle had begun. Of those remaining in the armies of the king of the world, it was Conal Macdara, the son of Daradun, with his flaming hot shield that incinerated all that came near it. Conal Macdara was not harmed by the shield himself, but any other man in armor who approached would have had their flesh and metal melted together. Fionn Makul was reminded of his very first fight against Alain the Burner on the hill of Tara. It was then Conan Muel of Clan Morna entered the fight. The foe turned uneasy ally of Fionn Makul, whose father had slain Fionns. Conan Muel never felt comfortable with Fionn, nor with many of his fellow Fenians, but he was a lifelong member of the Fianna and would defend them this day. Conan Muel waited for his moment. He got as close to Conal Macdara as he could bear. The sweat was pouring down his bald forehead. He watched as Conal Macdara laughed at the murder and chaos he was inflicting, and as his foe's jaws were gaping, Conan Whale launched his spear into the fire, into the mouth, and out the back of Conan's head. The son of the king of the world fell down dead, making him one of the few to not have his head cut off. All bets were officially off and every able-bodied one of the Fianna began to fight what and who was left of the forces of Daradon. Oscar and Oshin had regained their strength, and each took on three hundred men. Conan Muel himself took on another six hundred. Quilcher MacRonan slew a man who was about to attack Oscar, and Fionn's grandson was furious. There are plenty for you to kill yourself, Quilcher, without you fighting my battles for me, said Oscar. As Fionn fastened the straps and armour of the shield and armour of Hephaestus, he told his poet Fergus to sing of the bravery of Conan Muel. I will, but this is the first time he has committed acts worth singing of. Then Fionn Macool finally entered the Battle of Ventry, the final Fenian to do so, to finish the battle that had been started on his account. Daradon, the king of the world, finally landed from his great vessel onto the sands of Ventry, and every ounce of courage left his body once he saw the armour of Hephaestus on the shoulders of Fionn Macool. Daradon knew that the day of his own death had come, but all of this bloodshed had been his doing, and he would have to die a noble death. The two warriors finally met, 
and in the records of all single combat, no two fighters have ever been better matched than Fionn McCool and the King of the World. Even with the armour and shield on Fionn's side, the King was ferocious as a rabid lion. The clash of their swords created fire and lightning that friend and foe had to run to avoid. Daradun brought down his sword and it cleaved through the craftsmanship of the smith of the gods and into the flesh of Fionn's thigh. Fionn let out a groan before raising his own sword over Daradun and swinging it around with a shout heard as far as Rome. Fionn McCool cut the head from the king of the world. The battle of Ventry should have ended there, but the desperate steward of the king of the world found the decapitated head of Daradun in the sands of Ventry and took the crown and brought it to the king's brother. You are now the king of the world, the steward said and Daradun's brother then began to continue attacking the Fianna. Conan Muel fought the new king, who began to overpower the leader of Clan Morna, before Usker took his own grandfather's advice and grabbed the foe and squeezed him until his spine snapped and the new and short-lived king of the world fell down dead. The steward was still not done and he took the diadem and brought it to the daughter of the king of Greece, who was one of the very last of the armies of Daradun left living. It has been foretold that a woman will lead the armies of the king of the world next, said the steward. The new queen of Greece went ashore and challenged Fionn Makul. She fought valiantly, and Fionn was weakened from the fight with Daradun, but eventually he disarmed the queen. Fionn then said, I will not end this day by destroying one so beautiful. The Queen of Greece would not accept this sparing, and she fell on her own sword and died. And that was how the Battle of Ventry was won. A war that lasted a year and a day, which cost the lives of many men, women and children from every corner of this earth. A time when Fionn McCool's legend had grown so large that he had made an enemy of the king of the entire world, who brought his armies to Ireland's tiny shores. A king who bled in the sands of Kerry at the hands of Fionn McCool, officially now the greatest warrior in the world. The End The Podcast Studios is the home of the Headstuff Podcast Network. It's where lots of our shows are recorded, and we work on editing, promotion, videos, live shows, and lots more. As a podcast production company with three state-of-the-art studios for audio and video in Dublin City Centre, we can work with you to tell great stories in a professional and engaging way. From government organisations to charities, arts groups to international brands, entrepreneurs to hobbyists, we've worked with everybody, and we can help you to get the word out. Whether you need studio time, you're hosting a live stream or webinar, or you need support with editing or marketing, we can tailor a package for you. For more info, head to thepodcaststudios.ie. And there we have the final part of the Battle of Ventry, the armor of Hephaestus on Fireside, and I hope you all enjoyed it. An epic conclusion to an epic saga I am so sorry that to be at the end of Ventry already, it seemed so fleeting, but I'm I'm quite satisfied that this took exactly as many episodes as it needed. 
no more, no less. They were all exactly about, about the average length of a good episode of Fireside. They all seem to have, with a little bit of uh, jiggering at the beginning, certainly, in the first two episodes, but they all kind of fell into their own chapters, and I certainly feel that each of them has their own beats and everything and stands alone in their own ways while also obviously tying together ultimately and i hope you all felt the same about that uh, we finally get the fight between fionn mccool and dara dunn but w- what i particularly like about these episodes two things first of all obviously as the title would suggest getting to dip into even for a moment greek mythology and marry the worlds of irish mythology and greek mythology was a very very lovely moment for me because it was the greek myths that introduced me to mythology in any way they were always what i loved when i was very small and they were one of the first things i ever remember getting into like myself and they are always be they will always be my first love for mythology um so the feeling of knowing these worlds exist together is one i really really like this idea of this monomyth and we almost enter this American gods, Neil Gaiman sort of territory where these all these worlds do overlap and the Tirnanog and Olympus exist in the one world. Uh, so it's really nice to just like even touch on that. In the story that I adapted from, Hephaestus goes by his Roman name, which is Vulcan, because the king of the world is mentioned briefly as coming from Rome. So he is the king of Rome. Which is interesting because ancient Rome was the to have conquered the known world uh, or attempted to conquer the known world and for a long time was this greatest of civilizations. So you wonder, is that where this story came from in Ireland? Uh, was it at a point where Rome was a distant and looming threat because there was always plans to invade Ireland or Hibernia as it was known to the Romans, which meant land of winter but it was never reached for them as it was deemed a land too far west and too cold to be invaded by the Romans. Uh, So that's certainly always one claim to fame Ireland has, never invaded by ancient Rome. They got as far as Britain. They nearly made it, but just not quite. Um, But it's really... But I, as it's the Greek myths that I grew up with rather than the Roman, their Roman counterparts and Roman names, I always prefer to give them their their Greek names. So I have chosen Hephaestus rather than Vulcan. Um, And then the other major aspect I love about the story is we get a proper flashback into Fionn's origin story again um, in a very natural way. And in a, a couple of times through three different people, we first meet Cormac McCart at the beginning um, and are reminded that Cormac McCart had no great love for Fionn McCool as he was greatly threatened by him throughout his life because the Fianna were for all intents and purposes this mercenary force that were just hired guns to protect the king and to protect the country and Cormac was jealous of Fionn McCool's great legend and heroic status and always worried that Fionn would overthrow him even though this was something that never crossed Fionn's mind and it would ultimately be what brought down the Fianna was this jealousy and Lifakar, this prince who goes down to the Battle of Ventry he would also play his part in the end of in that battle at the end of the Fianna so we're reminded at the beginning that it was Khan of the Hundred Battles, who was the central character of the 100th episode of Fireside, who gave the blessing to Tyg, who is the second person in this story who we get Fionn's backstory through. Tyg, who is Fionn's maternal grandfather, 
Fionn has he has connections to the Tua de Danon in two ways through his mother who was one of the Tua de Danon and also through his lost love Saive who was a princess of the Tua de Danon as well making Oscar and Oshin Oshin particularly making Oshin's paternal grandmother and entire maternal side to a Dedan and so Oshin is even more to a Dedan than Fionn himself uh, but through Taig I put this sort of redemption arc into it there this idea that Taig may have regretted his part in Cool's death and seeing the great and wonderful hero that Fionn became that he would then want to defend his son because I've condensed quite a few characters in this final part. No one who's mentioned more than once. You know, I've just conflated. Tig is mentioned, like Tig seemed more important, so I conflated him with other characters that were only mentioned once and hadn't been mentioned before, just to streamline this uh, and make it as clear as water, as we say. Um, so I have made it more centrally about Tig going out and getting the armor for Fionn McCool and bringing it to him as a sort of redemption arc from from grandfather to the grandson whose birth he attempted to prevent at all costs, um, which seemed quite natural and was also a lovely, it's a lovely touch to bring the uh, the mythological cycle back in and to have the Tua de Danon present. That also felt very Greek myth as well. Um, the gods having this slight approach and just this one blessing but them not coming in like a literal deus ex machina and ending the battle which i believe does happen in some versions of this story um the two they done in other versions of the battle of entry do send a wave of soldiers like earlier in the fight uh, which never really fit then for my narrative purposes i didn't think because they attacked and never happened again i think you can't really bring gods into a fight and then not expect them to just end everything so I much prefer this just light touch of Tig bringing this army of Hephaestus. The only thing that's not very Greek, it probably would be much more Greek if I had made Tig much more uh, menacing and much more petty and wanting to bring about Fionn's downfall in his capriciousness. That'd be very, that'd be very Zeus. That'd be very petty. Um, but I'm going to go with this uh, redemption arc for poor old Tig here. And speaking of redemption arcs... <coughs> pardon me we get a slight redemption for conan whale mcmorna one of the most fascinating of the fianna the foe turned friend turned foe turned friend the guy you just can't trust at all you can't trust him to do one thing or the other you think he's gonna betray you he's gonna defend you you think he's gonna defend you he's gonna betray you he's the one who always was fionn's enemy he was the leader of the fianna before fionn took it out his father was the one who killed fionn's father he bows to Fionn, he serves with him, they go on many adventures, always, always not trustworthy, and he does end up betraying him in the end, but right here at the Battle of Ventry, Conan Whale fights the good fight. Um, it, was, it was another addition of mine to make it him who killed this prince, uh, this son of Daradon with his flaming shield. It was more of just an unnamed force of Ulster, I think it was in the story, it wasn't even a character. Uh, whereas Conan Moyle has these great heroic moments just with other people, so it was a nice way to conflate it and give Conan Moyle a, a much more significant moment here. But that is also in it that Fiona asks, 
the poet Fergus to sing of Conan Wilde's bravery as he shows more bravery than others, even more than Oscar. And the poet's saying, well, that is the first thing he's ever done that's worth commending, which is just more of the writings on the wall. But yeah, we get those three different angles that give us a lovely refresher for those of us, including myself, who forget like certain details about this backstory and just like continue the patchwork quilt of the Fenian mythology. It's all this incredibly lived in world. And it's really nice that this story, the Battle of Ventry and these four episodes, they still do exist within the same world and within the same narrative of the Fenian cycle that we did three years ago, you know, in the very first couple of months of Fireside. And so they have won what made it ultimately a wonderful story to finish on because the way it wraps up is is almost unsatisfying because it, it whimpers out and I distill that but boiled it down to the, the essential es- uh, elements, I thought, because you have Daradun dying and then his steward makes his king it, and then this Greek princess uh, is handed to him. And all of that does happen, especially the that the Fiena, how it said is the Fiena will not uh, destroy beauty or destroy a woman's beauty, um, which is quite problematic and uh, is, is another is part that hasn't aged well. But I liked the idea of uh, this princess falling on her own sword and wanting to die the death of all of the others, particularly all of the men who have died at that point. And that is exactly how it is in the version I was adapting it from. That's not something I changed. And the only final element I left is that there's one final random soldier who is on a boat and he says that he's going to go and raise more soldiers and raise another army of the world. And they just go out and they drown him. They pull him off the boat and they drown him. Whereas I thought the Princess of Greece gave it like this sour note to end it, which seemed appropriate because there is no uh, this for a mythological battle. This really captures the futility of war and how no one really wins a war because there are always heavy casualties on both sides. And ultimately, the only winner is that no one has invaded Ireland, but so many have died on both sides. And it makes it an appropriately special sour bittersweet sour ending um that has this kind of narrative push throughout it through the backstory with Fionn McCool and reminding us why he is our hero and why he is the greatest hero in era and with that that is the end of the battle of entry um I'm gonna miss it a huge amount but this source that I have been adapting from uh, these tales of Ushin the Bard um from an original translation, which is in the link in the description below. This has other Fenian tales in it that uh, are other ones that I have not covered in the Fenian cycle before. So unless, uh, always, always let me know your thoughts and if you have any suggestions for the further trajectory of Fireside, always let me know. But I'm thinking, I'm liking sticking with Fiona for the moment, So, and it's been a long time since we've had stories of Fiona McCool. So we might see and uh, fill in a more corners and fill in more parts of the patchwork quilt of uh, the Fenian saga to see what we have up to with Fionn and Ushin and Oscar and Conan Whale and all of the lads. So that's all to come. But next week, we have something a bit different next week. Um, a story uh, I found over here. Um, I've been interested in finding some Irish-Australian folktales in a similar vein that I did when I was in America in 2019, where I did some American irish uh, tales some jack tales and the like um so i'm on the lookout for that 
But in the meantime, I have found this story. I found this in a in an Aboriginal art gallery in Darwin in the Northern Territory. Um, this wonderful and very important, very universal story um, from the Aboriginal people here that I'm going to cover next week. We'll have the legend of the Seven Sisters. So I'm really looking forward to that and hope you all enjoy it too. Please do follow me on Instagram at firesidebard. Email me at thefiresidebard.gmail.com. Buy my book, Garden Sea, my book of poetry. You can order it in paperback or on Kindle version. We can ship the paperback anywhere in the world. Uh, follow or subscribe to Headstuff Plus or headstuffpodcast.com. I'll see you all. You'll hear me all next time. And remember, wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me by the fireside. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. Thank <laughs> you.